This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Mike Bolina. Oh, and hey, I'm Chris. We'll be back. We've got more coming right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, But I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. That works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Any way you want it, that's the way you need it. Any way you want it. We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you on Monday. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. Remember, you can check out my show five days a week, Monday through Friday, Beyond the Darkness, the best in paranormal talk radio. You can find it at darknessradio.com. In studio with us, we have comedian Chris Porter, who will be at Acme Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. Any shows on Sunday, or are you taking no, a day I'm of rest? No, I'm out. Where are you heading off to next? Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Guys, <laughs> it's actually a great club. Like, is it? It's one of those clubs that you're like, oh, this is easy. Um, 
kind of like act, you know, just where the shows are super great, right? And everyone's good very crowd, good people. Yeah, good. I'm just kidding. I like Lexington and uh, a bunch. you know, you know, all the players are super rich because <laughs> they play for Kentucky and they're making lots of money. And um, <laughs> so they're so they usually buy a record or two. So it's nice. Uh, speaking of uh, fandom and, and ticket prices and such, the Vikings are going to raise their season ticket prices an average of seven percent. Now that doesn't sound like a big thing, JB, in the overall spectrum, seven percent. But you start ticking it off here and there, right? I mean, tickets are already really expensive. You can't go for a family, right? Tickets are expensive. Parking, you know, food, no, everything. <clears throat> I haven't been in that place yet, and I have no plans to go in there. It is beautiful. I'll tell you that. If you want to go check it out, check StubHub about you know in the preseason and get a ticket from StubHub for preseason games. You can get in there for forty bucks, thirty, forty bucks, and get great seats like right down near the field. Just to say you can experience it, and it's well worth that. But I can't. Those are the same seats that are like three hundred, four hundred mm-hmm. bucks during the season. Also with football, like I mean, especially I you know I go to Arrowhead obviously most of the time, but like. Baseball, you ask me to go to a baseball game, I don't ask where the seats are. I just, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Because it doesn't matter. Because, like, I feel like the way they shoot baseball, you see a lot more when you're there. Now, with football, though, they shoot it so well that, like, if, if I'm on the upper, upper decks, I don't I don't need to be there. Right, you get distracted. I, you just watch the big screen You anyway. watch the big, and then you're like, I might as well be at home. Right. Because I can't really see what's going on anyway. And I'm now I'm just sitting around a bunch of people I don't really like. I will say this, though, about the U.S. Bank Stadium. It's you feel like you're a part of the game no matter where you sit. Even the what you would consider the nosebleeds are really amazing seats. Oh, cool! You know, I still even though I I, I would go there and we had the low seats for the preseason game, I'm still watching the big screen because I'm an old guy, so I need to see what's going on better than on the field. But <laughs> yeah. but it's exciting. My kids love being right there in the thick of it and uh, feeling like they're a part of the game. But yeah, it says after a 14 win season and playing host to the Super Bowl, the Vikings are sending a letter to season ticket holders announcing prices will increase. At U.S. Bank Stadium for the 2018 season, shouldn't we win something bigger before we start? Yeah, attacking them. Yeah, well, and that also that letter says because we made so much money last year. Yeah, let's just especially you know having the biggest game of the year and all the accoutrement. Uh, we're going to go ahead and charge you more. Plus the fact that now we're paying more for tickets and the the fees and all of that for a stadium that. We're all taking the brunt for anyway. Right. So they're just yeah. making more money on top of more money, plus we're still paying for the stadium. Yeah. Right. I don't get it. It's well, time to revolt. Oh, my God, I'm old. I'm get whining about it. Well, that's like one year at the U, we had the worst season in gopher basketball history. Right. Last year, we, we rebounded, made the tournament, this, that, and the other. And our response to that was to raise ticket prices. <laughs> it's just like. Well, I love this next line from the trip, right? It'll mark the first time the Vikings increase season ticket prices at U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, haven't they only been there two years? Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when they do that. Like, ESPN does that, too. They're like, they haven't done that since 2012. You're like, that's five years ago. Yeah, that's right. not Just so say far. five. They haven't done yeah. it in five years. Why do you have to make it sound grand, more grandiose than it is? The biggest increases, likely for the best seats in the lower lower bowl, can be about uh, 10% for the boot. Uh, pay hikes for next season will be as low as 4%, depending on seat location. The team set its original prices at U.S. Bank Stadium four years ago at $500 to $4,000 per 10-game package after personal seat license cost. Oh, and you have to buy a license? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, because our tax money buying the stadium wasn't quite enough for us in Minnesota. That you heard about Minnesota nice? Yeah, yeah. Not so much in the boardroom. Oh, no, we are. We're so, we're too nice. What what was it going to take to keep our team? Well, you remember the governor who signed the the bill for the money when it was time to get things going. Said, "Well, I didn't know that was in there. Then why did you sign it?" Yeah, someone should have mentioned something. Yeah, I've tried that a few times on contracts, too. Yeah, I, I didn't know no, I was signing fine. this in perpetuity. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant in perpetuity as long as I'm doing this. I didn't know you meant forever, ever. I thought perpetuity meant as long as I wanted to. Yeah, right. Three quarters of season tickets are expected to increase at $10 per game or less, so $100 per season or less, according to Viking spokesman. I like how they're downplaying it. Just the fact is it's going up. Right. The Vikings have had no problem filling its new home after setting a franchise record in attendance during the inaugural 2016 season with 534,289 people. And coming close to that this past season with 5,333,769 seats. Do you remember a time when Pillsbury had used to, to have buy to buy t- the seats yeah. so that they could air it on TV? Really? So, so it wasn't blacked out? Right. Yeah. It was Pillsbury and who else? General Mills, right? Yep. Yeah. So those were the two that would come in and they'd buy the remaining 10,000 seats. So that people could watch again. Right. Because what was the level? We had to sell 80% or 85% before they'd air it? No, I think it was higher than that. I think it was, was it? I thought it had to be a sellout. Yeah. Oh, it had to be a sellout. Yeah. No, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it, well, maybe it was. I thought it was right in the 80 to 85 round, but maybe not. That's crazy. But that cha- they changed that, right? Yeah, they dropped that rule. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they had to because, you know, major organizations were already sponsoring enough. And then right. you're asking them to dip in and, yeah. you know, get the show on TV. And they weren't even getting really any play. It wasn't like they got something for TV, right? No. I mean, back then, TV ratings were like, eh. See, what they should have said is, we'll buy those 10,000 seats and we'll give those seats away, but everybody has to come dressed as the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> or you have, to, you have to bring in like a can of something, a right. Pillsbury can yeah, to give to it. charity. Yeah, that wasn't the case. Well, that's what... The, uh, those companies did, though. They gave the tickets to less uh, less unfortunate right. people. And that was good. Right. Right. But, yeah, that was uh, – that's crazy. The, the prices are just so absurd. But it's happening with concerts. Mike, you were telling me the other day, what was the concert you took your mom to and you got the backstage meet and greet? Billy, was, uh, Billy Joel and Elton John. Billy Joel and Elton John. BJJ. Yeah. And that you, – you look at the cost on these current shows – I think comedy is like the only thing that's still affordable to really go out and have a good time. See how I segued into that for you, Chris? <laughs> but it's one of the best ways to go out and have a good time, and you're not paying asinine amounts of money that that you have to for other basic entertainment goods. There's, also that, there's that, but there's also we don't have the overhead. There's just one of us. We don't have a band. We don't have a light show for them. I mean, some comics have some oh, sort they of don't bring them pyrotechnics. No, well, no. Okay. Uh, they they made me stop doing pyrotechnics after the Great White incident. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, like I don't have to pay a band. Right. I don't have to pay roadies. Uh, you know. So th- th- obviously my costs are much lower. But you know, I went to Billy Joel and John ten years ago, and I right. for okay seats was two hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah. But I felt fine with for whatever reason I felt okay spending that because that's like a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. I don't have to, like, it's not like the Vikings where they're going to play seven more times this year. Right. Like, I'm going to have. And break our heart at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have one more chance, maybe two more chances to see Billy Joel Elton John. So, like, I don't mind. I paid $200 to see Prince. Like, there's some you people did? I feel are worth paying wow. money to see just just for that experience. I don't 
I can't think of a like when the Royals were in the playoffs. I paid good money to go see that because when was that going to happen? Again? Right. Uh, it turned out the next year, but um, <laughs> so yeah. Well, we all live and learn, right? The the thing that astounds me, and I don't know. Do you guys think that the stadium costs and ticket costs should be more reflective of the team itself? I mean, you okay? We won fourteen games, but we broke our heart again in the playoffs. weren't able to get the job done. So should there be an immediate, or should they have maybe waited a year to just increase the oh, seats instead of putting it in right on the heels of? Well, that's you know, strike when the iron's hot type mentality. That's all that is, but. but- you know, um, Atlanta opened a uh, uh, um, baseball. No, the Mercedes Benz. That's oh, where oh, the Super yeah. Bowl is going to be next year. Mm-hmm. And they dropped the food prices, so there was a little get because you know you had to. Oh, buy, sure. Every seat had a seat license to it. In that has a seat license in that stadium. Every seat. Wow. So Arthur Arthur Blank's give back was he dropped. The hot dogs to like a buck or two bucks, and beer down to like three bucks and whatnot. He he made concessions very affordable affordable for people because he already know he's beating them over the head with the, the seat license and the cost of the ticket and the parking and the, all the other stuff. Well, so, that and uh, you know they put a Chick Fil A in there that's closed on Sundays when they right. play, so they're probably like, <laughs> wow, that was a really stupid move. Here, have two dollar hot dogs. I just I hate I hate gouging. I hate it when people like I don't like HOA fees. Right. I don't like seat light. Like you. No. Just, you know what? I don't mind an HOA fee if it means I don't have to go out and shovel right. or mow it, my lawn. Okay. Yeah. But if it, and if it's reasonable. Right. Like you get into some of these condos you paid three million dollars for, and then you're paying sixteen hundred dollars a month for HOA fees. Oof. And you're like, what are you doing that's worth sixteen hundred dollars? You better do my laundry and wash my car and drive me to work for that matter. <laughs> Uh, and nudge me in the morning to ask if I want breakfast. Absolutely, right? that right. you cooked. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a seat. Like, I, not only do I have to pay for the seat, but I have to pay just for the right to buy the ticket to the seat. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you uh, know what that's always been like is like to me, paying to get into the state fair to have to go in and then pay for all the food. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, I'm buying the rights to come in and buy stuff from you. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's double double indemnity somehow, isn't it? Or you it? pay admission and then you have to buy tickets for the rides. Yeah. Just well, like, that's what Disney used to be, remember? You'd have to pay admission in and then you'd have to pay for tickets. Yeah. This was an e-ticket, this was a C-ticket, and then you'd have to dole them out and you'd have to figure out which rides were worth it. I don't know how much, I, I don't know how far we are from going back to that. Really? They keep hike, like they just hiked prices again. Now they're doing... Uh, the price of the ticket depends on when you go. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what's really weird, though? It's not like they're doing it because attendance is dropping, either. No. It's not like they're like, well, we need to kind of kick it up because we're getting three-quarters of the people we used to, so we need to make up that quarter we're losing. No. They're getting record numbers at the higher rate. And I think that's kind of what – I think that's it's kind of a deterrent. It's like, hey, yeah. we've got too many people here. Let's hike up the prices. Maybe not as people will come, many people will come. Well, that's the big problem with, with the Disney uh, Corporation program. I've had people that have just gone in the last year. They're like, yeah, I spent close to 150 per person to get in. We rode five rides yeah. because the lines were so absurdly long. So, I mean, so what do you do there? I mean, but I think my daughter just went out there, too, with, her, uh, with my grandson, and I think that was their issue, too. I don't think they got on many rides. But see, I get so I understand the business plan behind that. Charge a little more. Not as many people show up. The people that do show up have a better time. But with the Vikings or any sports team where there's a finite number of seats, right? Like why? 
you're, you're going to need to show me that you need that 7% hike. Like, there's, are you not making enough money? Like, I don't no, get that. No, on the stadium that we're paying for? Yeah. Like, why? what is this 7% for other than just greed? JB got real quiet. <laughs> well, it's, I'm just thinking. I mean, Chris is right. I mean, yeah. that money is, is just for greed because they're not, they have no overhead there. The Vikings don't have any overhead. No. And, and then they're charging well, I'm sure every band for concerts. They have, to, they have to pay to rent the stadium. That's not their stadium. I'm no, sure they have to pay No, their stadium, rent. right? It's basically their stadium. Yeah. They don't pay rent. That's why they got out of the Metrodome was they were paying rent for the stadium, but now they own the stadium, and then they own like anything that comes through, the mud fests. and The, the city doesn't own the stadium? The actual Vikings own the stadium? The, the, the Isn't it the NFL administration with this? I don't know, Mike. No. Do you know how that breaks down? Because most of the time, the city owns the there, stadium. There is some count, local council that runs it. Yeah. But everything yeah. is Stadium run. commission or stadium authority, Com- whatever. And Sports. that's a racket, too. Right. They're corrupt. But everything, Allegedly. Is run, everything is run through them and through the Vikings. Oh, okay. To have, to get, like, our university baseball team plays there this time of year. Okay. And, and you it, have to pay rent? Uh, we have to pay a little something, and yeah. it's you know it's not it's not the greatest experience in the world because you know when they built it, they had promised the state legislature it would be accessible for college baseball. Yeah, they got the they were getting close to the final designs, and right field was going to be two hundred eighty-five feet. <laughs> so like a softball game, <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> so you so. Yeah. Well, what's Yankee Stadium right field? I mean, that's it's about the same, right? No, it's uh, three fourteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there, there is this three o three o five now with a high wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, but we, yeah, have, to, we have to take a quick break, Chris. Hold on, we'll we'll get more into this. We'll discuss it and. Uh, Have more fun right here. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader. All right, are we off our uh, kick of hating everything sport-related? And These kids in their damn overpriced games. No, I have a five-minute rant on lacrosse, and then we can move on. Who doesn't? Wisconsin or the sport? <laughs> well, I'm going to start with one and segue into the other. Attaboy. 
Hey, let me make a quick mention, if I could. Uh, help me out uh, this year for the Special Olympics. I'm doing the Polar Plunge with my son. He's a Minneapolis firefighter, a Navy vet, and uh, we help raise awareness and money for the Special Olympics. All the money that we raise goes to the Olympians so that they have money for their uniforms, for training and travel purposes, so they can be a part of something. And we'd love for you to be a part of that with us. Our goal is, is just $3,000 this year. Last year, with your help, we got over $5,000, but we've just got a $3,000 deal. You can go to darknessradio.com, click on the Polar Plunge 2018 banner, and make a donation. Any size helps. $1, $5, $1,000, whatever you've got, help us hit that goal. It would be greatly appreciated. Again, check out darknessradio.com and click on that Polar Plunge 2018 banner. And thanks to Tom and the crew for letting me mention that on air as well. Um, You know, we, we were pre-recorded yesterday. Melina and I recorded the show a little bit earlier in the week, uh, so we weren't able to address the uh, gruesome attack that took place yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wednesday. Or Wednesday, rather, sorry. Um, but, boy, the news stories that are coming out uh, now, you've got um, the fact that the FBI was kind of tipped to this back in August and that they really admit, hey, we kind of dropped the ball yep. here. At what point are we going to stop dropping the ball if any tip comes in where somebody is telling you that this could go on. Uh, Parkland, Florida, the article from the Star Trib says the FBI received a tip last month even that the suspect in Florida school shooting had a desire to kill and access to guns and could be plotting an attack, but agents failed to investigate. A person who was close to Nicholas Cruz called the FBI's tip line on January 5th and provided information about Cruz's weapons and erratic behavior including his disturbing social media posts. The caller was concerned that Cruz could attack a school. In a statement, the agency acknowledged that the tip should not have been shared with the FBI's Miami office, and or should have, I'm sorry, been shared with the FBI's Miami office and investigated, but it was not. The startling admission came as the agency was already facing criticism for its treatment of a tip about a YouTube comment posted last year. The comment posted by Nicholas Cruz said... I'm going to be a professional school shooter. I think I think the FBI gets literally thousands of tips every day, and a lot of them are not credible. Uh, they're either they're either about crazy people that don't mean it or they're from crazy people that don't know what they're talking about. And so I think when obviously hindsight's 2020, but I don't think you can fault the FBI for not following up every single lead because I disagree when it they, comes to the school shooting stuff. You have to. I think you, you have to be there's more. There's not into this. the manpower. Like you, get, you have to realize they probably get literally a thousand. Are you kidding me? They've he, got agents Mulder and Scully checking on ghosts and Bigfoot. <laughs> you tell me they don't have time to check in. Which is also shooting. super actual, and that all happened for realsies. But you know what I'm saying? Like right. we're not in the FBI. We don't know how many tips they get, and they and I'm sure it's in the thousands every day. But if I went on social media today and said I'm going to be a professional president killer, watch out, Donald Trump. The FBI would be knocking on my door tomorrow. There's no question about that. I think there is some question about that, especially in these times where literally millions of people are saying that. I, I don't think people are being that decisive about saying something like that. They'll allude to it. But if I came out and said, watch your back, President Trump, I still believe I would be visited. And I think in the case when somebody says, I'm going to be a professional school you know, school shooter, I think it's, I, I don't know. In those cases, to me, it seems important. Let's follow up on that instead of worrying about breaking down the next weed you know, uh, growing operation. But even when I was a kid and when, and school shootings were not even close to being a thing right. in, in those days, 
We always had the kid that was crazy and said he was going to set the school on fire right. and do all that shit, and mm-hmm. none of them ever did it. And so, and there's st- and those kids are still around today. The problem is, point zero zero one percent of them are doing it. And I think I think that's I think that's the problem. Is like now they're starting to, but like it's hard. Uh, you have to look at it from the FBI. Like, how do you tell which ones are real and which ones are just crazy people? Well, and that's to me basic investigating. Okay, you take the first step. This supposedly this kid said that. Check his background. Check his background. He or- got he he got kicked out of the school. He hates the school. Okay, I'd, I'd probably be like. Okay, maybe we need and to take... And he has a lot of weapons, and he's 17 say, years old. Yeah. That's the next step. Then you go, okay, maybe we need to look into it a little further. Does Has he bought guns? Has, does he own... Does he own? Has he ever been in trouble? Has he, you know... And if you get to that point, it's like, nah, he's just... He's just a kid being an idiot. idiot. Right. right, and then you just go, okay, file close. But if you get to that next step and you go, oh, wait a minute, this kid is buying guns and... Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's pro- professing that he's this is what he wants to do and whatnot. You know, maybe you want to bring him in and ask him some questions. But with that said, you know, it's interesting. And when I was in, in high school and it was 80, 82 or 83, we were talking in class. I was in art class and we're making some stuff. And we're talking about some show we just watched the night before. And I wish I could remember what it was now. But the guy had ran uh, wires from the spark plug into the gas tank. You know, it was the big blow it up. Yeah. And. I was talking about it, and I said, yeah, he was, he was like, pissed at his teacher and then ran the wires into the gas tank to kill the teacher. And one of my classmates only heard me talking about running wires from the spark plugs into the gas tank to kill the teacher. Fifteen minutes later, I have the principal and a police officer outside my door going, we need to speak with you. Yeah. And they brought me in. That was just on a whim of an overheard statement. It wasn't even like the principal took me in and go, what were you talking about? Yeah. They had already called the police, and that was in 1982 or three, and they were willing to take it that far. When on, on right now, with the amount of violence we're having in schools with kids actually doing this, you like JB said, you would think it'd be at least worth the effort to go. This kid have any weapons registered to him, and how many, and what exactly? And if you start seeing that there are these uh, guns that are being associated with these school shootings on a regular basis, and and all of this. And this kid's creepy. Did you hear? He goes in, pulls the fire alarm, starts shooting, drops the guns, and then turns around and walks out with the kids like he's one of the students. Yeah. Man, this kid had a plot in mind. Absolutely. And that's, uh, uh, wow. I don't know. It's, it's just unnerving. And I, I get your point. You can't follow up every lead. But it just seems like every time they don't follow up the one lead, that's the one that was the real deal. But there's also, you also get the stories of the the times the feds come in the day before it was supposed to happen and and foil the plot right and and we don't really the that story is is like third yeah it's not on the it's on, not celebrated yeah right it's just like oh by the way they foiled a plot right okay but but let's I think get that back to I Trump. think that's their plan though I think they don't want to be celebrated for those stories because if they let the the bad guys know that they're that good and that they're on that many of the cases. They start adapting and finding new ways to do these things. So I think that might be more of why they're hiding, the, you know, the, burying those good stories and, and playing up this. I just don't think there's as much fodder. There's, right. not, there's not as much to buy. You know, in this 24-hour news cycle, it's always about what can we get out of this? Like, Well, I see that. But we've also been talking about watching for signs and signs of mental illness mm-hmm. and, and previous threats. 
two previous threats from this kid within the last, you know, from August to January to now, and it it came through to me. And even, the, I mean, it's got to be something when even the FBI says we messed up here. Yeah, I mean, but again, that, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. It's like, yeah, we should have checked that out. Sorry, we didn't. But it's, but I think a lot of America thinks um, that the FBI was just at the office on Facebook that day, mm-hmm. when in fact they were probably going through a thousand other leads that of people just like this kid that were making the same threats that had the same thing because he's not alone that's what we've realized he's he's nowhere close to being alone we've had 18 school shootings in less than six weeks yeah like and that's a lot of work for the fbi mike can you pull up that story about the grandma i want to talk about this too this is um jb you've got how old is your son jb 28 28 do you have any grandkids no Okay. Well, you shake your head. I've got three. So, I, but here's here's a story that's something. Uh, what I mean, how what would you do if if you walked in and you saw your kid's diary open and laying there, and there was some drawings that drew your attention? You read it, and it basically said, "Yeah, I'm going to kill kill everybody in my school. I'm going to yeah. do this." Would you? Would your first call be to the police, or would you address your child first and hey, let's fix this? Or knowing that a lot of these guys end up killing their parents or grandparents and then going out and doing the deed i mean I, i'm this is a great story Detective spent the day. uh what do we uh, yeah they've got this story uh audio link to it Let's see if we can get in it says an 18 year old student was arrested after a journal was found detailing plans to shoot his classmate at aces high school in everett uh, washington according to everett police department the 18 year old's grandmother called 911 tuesday morning after finding the journal and believed the threats to shoot students at the school were credible. Officers responded to the house uh, and were shown excerpts of the journal and were told the grandson had a semi-automatic rifle stored in a guitar case. As officers reviewed the journal, they were alarmed by the statements and detailed plans to shoot students and use homemade explosives, according to the press release. Excerpts from the journal show that the teen had been thinking about the shooting frequently and wanted to make it infamous, according to the probable uh, cause documents. Court documents state the young man wrote, I can't wait to walk into class and blow all those expletives away, and I need to make this shooting bombing infamous. I need to get the biggest fatality number I possibly can. Prosecutors allege that suspect had inert grenades in his bedroom that he planned to fill with black powder along with an AK-47 hidden in a guitar case. The student attended KMAC High School last year before transferring to Aces Alternative School this fall. Detectives say he simply flipped a coin to determine which school to target, and it came up Aces. That's uh, people are crazy. Oh, that's terrifying in every well, possible aspect. You 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 have you have the be- uh, basic perfect storm and going on right now you have mental health you know pe- people not the medical community not right we're not taking care, care of the of people of that right people i mean back in the time we used to lock everybody away and lock everybody up which wasn't the answer either but now we do, all these people right, are we swung to the other side of the pendulum right. right and then you have all these weapons which are easy to gain and then you have all this information that's accessible to these young people on on the internet and then um you have a lot of not only psychosis but anger built in from being made fun of and you know i'm going to teach you all i'm going to get you and it becomes a perfect storm and every once in a while it bubbles up and that's exactly what happens down there the scary thing is it's not just every once in a while now right it's coming up way too often especially 
this year. Like right. it, those numbers, like you don't even think about it until they they're like, there's been this many shootings. And the sad thing is, let's be honest, we disconnect because it's not in Minnesota or it's not in Kansas City. It's not in our home, so we don't really pay that close attention until it hits your community. I don't even think it's that as much as it's happened so much now. You just become numb to it. Numb to it, like right. like this one when it happened. I just I turned it on. I went, man, that sucks, and that's all I watched. Like because. I don't need to know the specifics. I don't need to know the timeline of the shooting. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know how he did it or what. And I don't get people. I don't understand why people want to fill their brains with that information. I'll right. tell you why. As somebody who's fascinated by true crime, I just want to know what's the difference between me and you, the shooter. What, what was the day that set you off? Because we all have those days where you want to jerk the wheel into oncoming traffic and yeah. take out the jackass that cut you off. But what's the difference between me who just goes, hoo hoo, man, and then the guy who goes, up, oh, you're going to die, and does that? I think that's it's because we're, we're, we're a, a razor's sliver's edge away from either side of that angle. And I think it, it, it's interesting to people to try to get the concept of why, what draws people to one side or but the other. But that's something that you find out in a documentary a year later. Right. Not something you're going to listen, you're going to see on the news day three mm-hmm. and so what i and it, it's part of the 24 hour again i'm not a big fan of the 24 hour news cycle because that story should be about this facts. guy facts this guy right. walked into a place he killed this many people here's who died that should be the end of the story right we'll report back when we have something we inclusive have, next they, here's a we beaver have building people right. commentating we have this and right. we have that and people watch it because it is interesting but what it does to your psyche you don't. You can't see it. Like people are like, "Why am I sad all the time? Mm-hmm. Why am I upset?" You're right. You do nothing but watch forensic files and people dying. Like watch Friends for like. A, <laughs> Just shake the mindset. Right. Get back cleanser. into it. Or go to the comedy club. Acme Comedy <laughs> Club. Hey, to speaking see of which, Porter. I have two shows still with tickets. Ten thirty tonight and ten <laughs> o'clock tomorrow, I believe, at uh, Acme Comedy. Hold tight. We've got more coming your way. Plus, tribute bands, the best in the world. Katie Darrell, our guest next on the Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494, Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact, and the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. 
This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the best of the Tom Bernard Show, brought to you by Brad, Sean, Bryant, or as he's known, the backup to my hard drive, every Saturday at noon for highlights from the past week and classic moments from our vault. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you on Monday. We're wrapping up our third hour. In a little bit, we'll be talking with Katie Darrell about the top ten tribute bands ever. We'll discuss that in a few minutes. In studio with us, comedian Chris Porter. Hello. Chris has got uh, two shows left that have tickets available. The Late Show's tonight and tomorrow at Acme Comedy Club, one of the best comedy clubs in the Twin Cities, easily. In the country. Or Twin Cities, that's fine. I'm just Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it is. It's a great uh, great time out. And it is good. You were talking deep and dark in the last segment, but it is good. Get out and start filling the mind with fun. Again, yeah. remember all the good stuff and, and get out and have a little bit of fun. What's, what's your favorite part about stand-up comedy? Just the exchange between me and the audience. Just that transfer of energy. The me... Going up there, telling a joke, and then then they're laughing, and then that get you know that energy just goes back and forth to where by the end it's pretty cathartic experience for both, right? For both, yeah, yeah. You're bringing them both in and out. Is it hard to do the interactive comedian stuff as opposed to going up and doing the uh, setup joke, setup joke? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you know, the good comics do a combination of both, right? Uh, it it definitely helps the live experience. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, both are. I mean, both can be very easy and both can be very difficult depending on the audience. Like right. some audiences are like, "Talk to us, we want you to tell talk to us," and other audiences are like, "Don't even think I'm here." Right. Just tell your jokes. I'll laugh. Can you tell that by the look in their eyes? If you're if you're about to do the interactive, can you look in the front row and see the guy that's like, "Oh my god, do not speak to me," and oh, it's not one of those please talk to me but don't talk to me kind of feel you know what i mean normally it's the arms folded uh-huh. and they're just they're just looking at you and their wife's laughing but they're not <laughs> it's usually that yeah. that guy do you focus on then trying to make that guy your your bitch for the rest of that show and just make him laugh sometimes every once in a while depending on my mood i'll just mention it at the end of the show mm-hmm. i'll just be like hey man very much respect everyone else here has been laughing their entire the entire time you have not laughed once i have nothing you know way to hold on to it right and and usually that's the one time they laugh right is they're like ah you got me yeah is it uh so kind of just that nice exchange and getting out there you've seen a lot you've done this for quite a while is it do you ever go out into a club and and watch some comedian work the room and it just bombs and you're like man i was i'm it's not the same jokes but it's the same tempo and meter i do but then you get out and it's a totally different experience even though you just watched one comedian tank yeah um or maybe even the flip side you go out and do something and you're like man i thought that was fireball and the next guy comes out and does a very similar kind of setup and he's killing no very rare i mean there's definitely i mean there's a lot of angry white dudes on the scene so i'm I'm not (laughs) i'm not a you know unique by any stretch so yeah I, i definitely see comics that were of the same vein and yeah, I definitely see him eat it, but I've been doing it long enough to where I can, I usually know why. Very rarely am I like, why isn't this working? Mm-hmm. Most of the time I'm like, here's why this isn't working. So yeah, I rarely have any fear, nor do I let other comic kind of judge my tone going up there. Cause I've had a lot of comics come up to me and be like, oh, that crowd's rough. And then I go and have a great time and, and 
vice versa. I've had comics come up and be like, they're great. And then I walk on stage and just eat it for 40 minutes. So what is that like? Just in those rare moments. And I know that doesn't happen to you often, uh, but I'm just wondering, Chris, on the, it's confusing. Cause you're, (laughs) you're like, this isn't most of the time you're like, this isn't the first time I've said this stuff. Right. So I know where the laugh should go. And so it's kind of like, it's, is it on you or is it me? And so normally it's just very confusing where I'm like, what's happening? It's like when your car is running weird and you can't figure out why. And then like all of a sudden it runs well for a split second. You're like, oh, okay, we're back on. And then it goes right back to puttering. Like it's, it's that exact same feeling. It's just like that helplessness. Like, I don't know what's happening. Do you, do you ever double back if you, if you hit something that was really tearing it up and then all of a sudden the bottom drops out, do you go and do you go right back to what was killing them to kind of reinvigorate through them and then try something new? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, I was like, okay, they like Jack, that joke, or they don't like that one. Yeah. Then I'll definitely, you know, I'm, I'm there to put on a show. Like the days of me being an artist are long gone. Right. I'm like, this is what I do. <laughs> no, I'm very much like, please like me. So, uh, <laughs> But you're right. It it doesn't happen very often, and and normally when it does happen, it's you know just the setup. You know, the the show is like poorly constructed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like me behind a podium at a residence inn or something. Oh, right. It's at the, a it's conference more, room. Right. It's more that setting. I felt so bad. I was at a conference a few years ago, and they had a comedian perform during dinner. Not like before dinner. Not right after dinner when everybody's just kind of sipping a cup of coffee. People are trying to chat at dinner. Yeah. They're trying to do – and this poor comedian's up there, and it's got to be like 90% not paying attention, and then his buddies in the first two tables are like, ha, 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 Right? Right, you guys? Right. Oh, that was that was brutal. Oh, your heart goes out to to entertainers like that. I've done a bunch of the – I remember uh, they asked me to host a golf tournament, and I I just wanted to play free golf. So I I went and played the golf, and – Afterwards, I'm doing the, you know, I'm trying to be my normal funny self, and I'm just making little asides, and all my buddies were dying. They thought it was the funniest stuff ever, and no one else in the audience. They, first off, they could have cared less. They were right. again, it was during dinner, but yeah, there's definitely those shows where you're like, who? The worst is like you'll do these corporate events. In four seconds before you go on stage, they'll do a moment of silence for all the people they lost the night right. the year before. And they're like, give it up for this guy now. <laughs> what? I did a show with Rowdy Roddy Piper, rest his soul. Sure. And it, uh, right before I went on stage, a police officer gave Rowdy Roddy Piper his Medal of Honor. He goes, I won this because you taught me to be courageous. And he gives it to Rowdy Roddy Piper with tears in his eyes. Rowdy Roddy Piper goes, I don't know what to say. Here's Chris Porter. And I walked on stage and I lost my mind. I go, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me? (laughs) That guy's a hero. And now I got to come up here and tell you about how I can't get laid. Like, are you kidding me? Reality check. One time I had to do a show. I showed him to a show in Indiana. There's a Wheel of Fortune on the stage. (laughs) I walk up to the manager. I go, what's up with the Wheel of Fortune? He goes, everyone here is in a radio contest to win tickets to the Super Bowl. And right before you go on stage, they're going to draw the winner. And I go, "What? why don't they just wait till the end of the show? They go, the DJs have to be up early, and they don't want to stay the extra hour. So literally, right, this is how it went. 
Larry, you win the Super Bowl tickets. Here's Chris Porter. So now I'm performing in front of 98 losers, right? And everyone in this room thought this was their year. They're like, I'm here. I'm going to win. There's no way I'm not going to win. And they literally, I walk on stage four seconds after they found out that they lost. So you could just hear the. Just, and it was literally like, please welcome Chris Porter. Uh, I thought it was going to be worse than that, though. At least they stayed. I yeah, thought it was like they were I there did. for the drawing, and then they, the minute they pull, I wish the they would have left. left. Right? It was the worst show ever because they're all sad. <laughs> they're all mad because they lost. Larry left. Yeah. Larry grabbed the seats and split. And I didn't. I was so mad when I walked on stage. I just went up. I go, "What's up, losers?" Oh, jeez. How did they? Uh, how was that received? It went as well as the rest of the set. <laughs> and I, you know, I knew it was going to be awful. So why not just die? Might as well lean into it. Right. <laughs> yeah, take the storm on, right? Yeah. Be the George Clooney into the uh, waves and that. Just, uh, we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be brutal. I've done, I, I get a chance to go out and I do presentations around the United States and around the world. And I try to mix in as much just fun humor as I can because people will learn yeah. more when not you make them laugh. Not fun humor is terrible. Right, exactly. But you just try to cut in there. But it, it is. It's it's disconcerting because I've got it down to a rhythm. And all of a sudden when you're realizing they're not responding to anything, yeah. it I, all of a sudden I get out of my game and I even forget where I am in my talk. I'm like, what? Uh, oh, yeah. What's it's happening super here? discombobulated. Right. And you, it's it's. I liken it almost to being like when you hit that wall and drunk and you realize, oh, no, I took one step over. Yeah. And now I don't know how to consciously do anything properly. Yeah. <laughs> right? But just, now you have a microphone and expectations. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's when you start singing It's Rain and Men, right? And just try to <laughs> lighten, lighten it up. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's Rain and Men. <laughs> some old lady up front i like it now that's what it takes i know the audience yeah that's i give you guys a lot of credit i've always wanted to try stand-up comedy until i go in i actually took a stand-up comedy course through a, a group that was here okay and i had more fun writing the comedy than i did performing it because to me it would be i'd say and these guys would laugh and they're like that's great and i'm like well you can do it yeah. And they're like, really? And they're like, will you shake it up? And I'm like, no, no, you really should do this one. And they'd go up and kill with it. And they're like, Dave, it's good. Go on up. And I'm like, no. Nah, oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Eeyore. Right, exactly. It just can't uh, pull that trigger. That's uh, it's it's a lot to get up there. And I mean, how, how, how many times was it before you got up and, and it wasn't just, hey, I'm funny. And now it's, oh, I am funny. People do like this. Oh, like where I was just, it wasn't nervous before I went on stage? Well, no, I'm probably, I guess you probably st still have a little bit of that. But I mean, when was it that you realized that you're, it wasn't just, I want to be a comedian. Now it's, oh, I am a comedian. You know, I don't know the day ever came where I, I mean, I think it just like you looked around and you're like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, I'm not working anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, more of what happens. Uh, the day definitely, like the day you write the first bit or you do the first bit that destroys, mm -hmm. where you get that roar of laughter and some applause. Like that's the day you're like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. Because you know, doing the open mics, you get like laughter and la you get some decent laughter, but then you get that, <sighs> like where like it's almost like a rock in a lake, where there's like that moment of silence and then whoosh. That's the day you're like, I got this. You get that rupture feel, right? Yeah. And you're brought into the undertow, and that's it. Where, yeah, where, where the, and it, it, it happens where the first time where you get the laughter, where it almost pushes you back, the energy just kind of knocks you back a little bit. That's 
Those are good days. Does that bring? You know what I notice is when I get those feelings, I end up getting closer to the front of the stage. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Because you think it'll keep pushing you back almost with that, but it's like I drink it in so oh, much yeah, when I can like, get no, the audience in. If I get closer, it'll hit me harder. Yeah, my buddy will lean in at that after the show and he goes, "Hey, where do you think you lost him?" <laughs> right? And I'm like, "Oh man, that was a great crowd. Yeah, that's a lot of fun." That's when you know that's that's the comics version of great set. It's yeah. like oh, it's a tough one. Yeah, that was a whew, tough audience, yeah. huh? Uh, I guess uh, our guest, uh, Katie Darrell, is not going to make it on the show. Uh, but uh, just to give you a quick <laughs> heads up, Access TV's Katie Darrell ranks the greatest songs, bands, and artists in rock history with some of the music's biggest names in the new countdown series, The Top Ten Revealed, premiering Sunday, February 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6, 3, uh, 6.30 p.m. Uh, uh, what is that? Pacific, I guess. Uh, featured guests include rock icons Stephen Adler, Lita Ford, Vinnie Paul, Vivian Campbell, as well as Dan Rather. Because when you think rock and roll, <laughs> Dan Rather is right up there. He's doing those big interviews now. Have you seen yeah, them? Yeah, I have, actually. They're pretty great. Yeah, they are. But it's it, it you just again when you're thinking yeah let's look at the top ten revealed of the best music in the world Dan Rather's like the last guy Dan would... Rather has the best weed <laughs> well he does look really relaxed now <laughs> Man, in those interviews I bet doesn't he's he like I get this stuff yeah. from Willie <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the time you were on stage he had a great story I heard him tell once when he because I think he started in Kansas uh-huh. and he did an old radio state where they played he would play the sermon on record every year sure and he went. He, it was like a 30-minute record, so he'd run and go get lunch, and the record had a skip in it. Oh, no. And it was just going, go to hell, go to hell, go to hell, go to hell. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was the old uh, radio show trick in college when you had to hit the restroom. You'd go throw on, like, uh, Stairway to Heaven, Stairway to heaven yeah. or, or uh, God, I'm trying to think of the other one. That in was a Gotta like, Devita. Yeah, In a Gotta a 20-minute version, yeah. and you'd go to the restroom. <laughs> Riders on the Storm, the 15-minute version, right? Everybody's like, I don't ever remember it being this long. I was like, well, I ate a lot of cheese yesterday. Yeah. You're going to hear the whole thing. <laughs> Radio edits. Oh, God, fun times. And uh, we only about a minute left here, um, but you can check out the Acme Comedy Club. Every week, fantastic performers come on in. Chris Porter's there this weekend. Tonight, 10.30 showing. There's a few tickets that remain tomorrow for the late show, which is, is it 10.30 again or 10 o'clock tomorrow? I don't know. It's one of those two. So check it out. Uh, you can get more information <laughs> at the Acme Comedy Club website and get all the information you need there. JB, thanks for coming on in, Mike. It's good working with you again. Chris Porter, I'll be back uh, filling in for Tom again, I think, mid-month of March when he's off in Punta Cana. Oh, yeah. Must be nice. That that trip. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll be here having fun with you guys, and I'll be back next Tuesday uh, with Tom as well. I'm going to try to weasel my way in next Friday, too. Uh, I like the comedian shows. I like coming on in here with you guys. We are fun. It is. It's a fun time. Uh, You can check out all the information. You can check out the best ofs and all that by checking out the TomBernardShow.com website and keeping in touch with us that way. You can find us on social media. I want to thank Tom for letting me sit in. It was great working with uh, Catherine and Andy again. Thank you for being a part of the show with us. Um, And check me out at DarknessRadio.com five days a week for the best in paranormal talk radio. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Thank you.